Joshua Kagey from The Christian Citizen, and this is Justice, Mercy, Faith. In this mini-episode, the Reverend Dr. Deborah Jackson reads her essay, School's Out for Summer, Counting the Cost. Here now is Deborah Jackson. School's Out for Summer. That is what Alice Cooper declared to much celebration in his 1970s hit. Undoubtedly, that sense of celebration remains unchanged for students as June marks summer vacation. Students can enjoy a break from the virtual or hybrid learning that has dominated the 2020-2021 school year. Now the chant may well be, no more Zoom rooms, no more books, no more teachers, dirty looks. But what has been the cost of this virtual learning environment to students' performance? The Brookings Institute attempted to answer this question through a study in 2020 as concerns grew that learning loss caused by pandemic-related school closures and disruptions might be significant. As thousands of schools resumed math and reading assessments in the fall of 2020, data was gathered on 4.4 million students in grades 3 through 8. Researchers examined student performance in 2020 versus 2019 and assessed learning gains since schools closed in March 2020. The results were mixed. On the positive, students performed similarly in reading between 2019 and 2020. Conversely, math performance for students was 5 to 10 percentage points lower compared to the same grade in 2019. Regarding the question of learning progress, researchers determined that most students made gains, though they were smaller in math than reading. And given the decelerated progress, a major outcome of the study was to assert the need to help students regain lost ground in math. Yet the most significant admission of the study was that the long-term ramifications on student learning, especially among underserved communities, remains unknown. This is a matter requiring our collective attention. As a parent and academic administrator, I have observed the challenge of student engagement because in this virtual environment, educators have fewer tools for assessment. For example, at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, we allow students to turn off their cameras since the environment from which they are connecting might be a source of embarrassment. But if the student's camera is off, how do we know whether they are engaged? And even if the camera is on, are students focused? I have seen my high schooler watch anime during classes. Is effective learning possible when the learner is distracted? Then there is the issue of instructor content delivery. An educator's course syllabus may remain largely unchanged from year to year, but what happens when the course delivery modality changes? Educators moved from in-person instruction to online practically overnight. For some, technology represented a significant challenge which had to be balanced with pedagogy. Even if course content remained unchanged, teacher effectiveness may have suffered in the transition to online delivery. 
And what of the children for whom we know virtual learning is a challenge? Not every child is equipped with a computer and internet in the home. A 2020 Pew Research Center study found that 21% of parents with children whose schools closed during the pandemic reported that their children lacked access to a computer at home. 22% lacked reliable internet connections at home and relied on public Wi-Fi at least part of the time, and 29% reported that their children would likely need to complete schoolwork on a cell phone. These percentages rose to 36%, 40%, and 43% for lower-income families. While many school districts and nonprofit organizations have provided devices to students' families, gaps remain. Children with special needs have unique requirements in a virtual environment. Students for whom English is a second language or students who suffer hearing loss may require accommodations such as translators or an environment that offers close contact to better hear what is being said. Additionally, online learning can be more challenging for students with learning, attention, or social emotional needs, according to school psychologist Dr. Rebecca Branstetter. For these learners, educators must put relationships before academics, get creative with accommodations, and provide a collaborative team of support that includes parents. Thus, concerns regarding levels of engagement for students, online course delivery training for educators, and increased accommodations for special needs learners are legitimate and require our attention. More pressing, however, may be the needs of historically underserved students who will likely suffer greater impact due to learning loss. Therefore, we must work collaboratively as the church and communities to address educational needs by increasing our involvement and advocacy. Where we see lack, we must get involved. Leaders in Worcester, Massachusetts, expressed concerns that black and brown children were falling further behind in school due to virtual learning. So, with philanthropic sponsorship, community leaders established the Black Excellence Academy. This program provides after-school math and English language arts tutoring with special cultural programming on Fridays during public school asynchronous learning days. Their efforts demonstrate what is possible when individuals come together to solve an educational need that impacts us all. We can also use our voices for greater advocacy. In our ultra-politicized climate, initiatives like nationwide internet availability are seen only through a partisan lens. But without internet accessibility, students run the risk of falling further behind. Just as a system of highways to accommodate vehicular travel at the speed of 70 miles an hour was seen as a necessity in the 1950s, we need affordable, reliable, high-speed broad ban access to every American in the 2020s. It is a point upon which we should all find agreement. School may be out for summer, and given vaccinations and increased immunity, the pervasive need for virtual learning may decrease. However, the persistent gaps and inequities uncovered must be addressed. 
We have a collective responsibility which rests with all who care for and want to see the success of our children. May we be moved to get involved and advocate lest we find the cost of being out of school is too great to bear. At The Christian Citizen, we're passionate about justice, mercy, and faith. We produce award-winning content that's provocative, timely, and relevant. What started 25 years ago as a print-only publication is now a digital-first, multi-platform media brand. We've added an award-winning weekly e-newsletter, this podcast, and a growing presence on social media. Now, for the first time, we're adding a member support program, Christian Citizen Ambassadors. Learn more about how you can support our work at christiancitizen.us slash members. Thank you to this week's guest, the Reverend Dr. Deborah Jackson. Our theme music is Eye of the Beholder by Fabian Tell. The Christian Citizen is edited by Curtis Ramsey Lucas and is a publication of the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. The show, website, and newsletter are produced by myself, Joshua Kage. Stories are copy edited by Hannah Estefanos. Our art director is Danny Ellison. The Christian Citizen Editorial Board is Dr. Jeffrey Hagray, Laura Alden, Susan Gottschall, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, the Reverend Salvador Oriana, and the Reverend Cassandra Karkoff-Williams. And our advisors are Sherilyn Crow, the Reverend Kimberly Payton Jones, the Reverend Stephen D. Martin, the Reverend Marvin A. McMichael, and the Reverend Harold Dean. To learn more about The Christian Citizen, visit our website, christiancitizen.us. That concludes this episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith. Thanks for listening.